Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 1 of the Writing Talk podcast. I'm the author Michael Campling, known to friends as Mikey. And this week, in a change from the old format, which is why we're calling it uh, Season 2, I actually have a guest on the podcast. So today we have author Andrew Hasty, who has written across a couple of genres and we have a fairly wide-ranging discussion with an overall theme of how do you develop your ideas and turn them into a great book. I think you'll enjoy it. So let's crack on with it. Okay, so so good morning, Andy. Um, the first guest on the Writing Talk podcast. <laughs> first good ever guest. Hi. So, <laughs> um, yeah, thanks for coming on. I I thought um, it would be nice just to uh, tell people a little bit about about you and your your work, mm-hmm. um, and the, anything um, you particularly want to talk about on that vein. Okay. Yeah. No. Cool. So um, I'm Andrew Hasty. I've written. I think it's seven um, time travel books, all in the Infinity Engine series. Um, I've also co-written uh, a crime story with my wife so under the pen name, so it's going under Karen's name instead. Um, but yeah, so um, I've been doing this since, blimey, I think I was reaching my 50th birthday and I, I'd been rejected by a couple of agents. So that would have been three and a bit years ago. Right. Um and decided to self-publish instead. So, you know, I, I decided that I wanted um, one of those nice paperbacks in my hand when I hit my 50th birthday. So, yeah, um, so yeah I went ahead uh, in 2017 and uh, jumped in. At that point, hadn't heard of really, um, hadn't done a lot of research with self-publishing. So I hadn't bumped into Mark Dawson at that point uh, or any of the uh, 20 books to 50K guys. It was really just me kind of... Um, logging on to KDP one day and just saying, oh, okay, that's how you, how you put something up there. And, um, haven't really looked back since it's been an amazing, um, three years, like ups and downs as you would normally expect. Um, but yeah, I think, um, the main infinity engine series, uh, was my, is my passion. I think I wouldn't say it was the most commercially successful, um, books you could ever write in and for for your kind of other writers in, in uh, who are listening in i would i would definitely suggest if you're into into this to you know to make it your kind of business then definitely research your market um and i'm sure um you've had this as well mikey where you kind of write something that you've always wanted to write but it's not necessarily the one, the book that everybody wants to read yeah um, yeah very much because yeah. we met at the um, the Twenty Books London yes. uh, conference, didn't we? And uh, it was funny because you sat down and said, "Oh, I'd been writing time travel." So at that point, that was all I had as well, really. Yeah. And um, so that was interesting, but but mine doesn't even really fit into time travel very well. So I would totally echo what you say that um, having. I mean, you can just write anything you feel like, but it's quite tough to sell certain things, isn't it? If if it, it doesn't. Is if it doesn't fit into people's expectations. Um, yeah, there, there is that kind of, um, there is a certain, if you, I would like to say a formula, but that's the wrong word. I mean, I think there's definitely um, something to be said for uh, studying the marketplace. Um, what I found, I mean, because I'm sure we'll get into it, you know, where we're, where we're doing advertising for our stuff as well, you need to kind of connect with an existing audience. So um, people like Mark Dawson have made a, a good living out of um, going after the Lee Childs um, guys. You know, the Jack Reacher um, uh, is, is, a, is, a, is a, an existing audience. Um, so, you know, to be able to say this is, if you like, you know, Jack Reacher, you like this, that's a very powerful um, way to, to, to kind of connect with, um, with a potential audience. And um, for me, it's been my most successful um, side of things so the the time travel stuff isn't really hard sci-fi i know you get these various different versions of of, of science fiction it's more science fantasy so there's no um there's no time machine it's 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 essentially a group of people who can um who can actually move through time uh, using objects so they use the, the the timelines of objects to move back through time um so it's a bit more kind of fantastical so i went after 
uh, Doctor Who as a, as a big audience and um, and a bit of Harry Potter as well, because there are a lot of adults that, you know, you could see that move away from, um, from you know, they've read all the Potters probably more than once and they're, they're essentially looking for new material. So I, I, I've had some success kind of doing a mixed um, campaign between um, people who like Harry Potter and Doctor Who. Um, but it is, a, it's, it's kind of like, I feel like I'm kind of trailblazing. I don't feel like I'm kind of following anybody else. Um, there are a couple of people, um, but they're just, you know, there's no one as, as big, especially on Facebook. You need people with a quite a massive following um, to be able to kind of find those guys. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, my, my thing that I was trying at the time didn't even really fit that much into time travel. Um, yeah. I think there's a bit more action in yours than, than mine, because mine sort of leaps backwards and forwards over 5,000 years and has all these parallel parallel plots at the same point. Mm-hmm. And so I was finding people who liked a good time travel adventure would put a review and they'd say, well, not all that much happens. And I'm thinking, well, yes, it does. It just <laughs> it just happens in different to different timelines. They wanted like... Um, you know, a hero figure to be going backwards and forwards and doing these things. And mine yep. was all over the place. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's uh, some people love it, so if they find it. But, it, yeah, you know, I, I totally agree. You really um, finding something that, that fits into a, a niche of some sort, no matter how big or small it is, I think is is much better than finding something that refuses to fit into anywhere. <laughs> you know, no yeah. matter how hard you try, you can't quite hammer it into that, you know, that place. But, um no, the genre stuff, especially if you try and cross genres. Um, I mean, you know, if I would look back, time travel romance is is huge, you know, in the mm. in the in that sector. But that's not what I don't. I can't write that. So, no. um, but yeah, if, you know, if you say if you say where the money is, it's going to be, um, you know, in, in things like paranormal romance, crime, um, you know, just romance in general. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, the the trouble there is, there's a lot of other people playing in that in that space so you've got you've got the kind of double-edged sword you can either strike out into a small niche and then just have to build your audience or you can jump in with the with a quite larger so that's what i found with the crime book you know essentially doing a crime book is a great idea until you realize that there are thousands and thousands of other people doing crime books and if not more than that so um but yeah i think it's uh it's been a really interesting ride, um, I have to say, in terms of the learning curve that you go through. I'm sure you've had the same. Yeah, well, funnily enough, it's it's I've just um, switched genres more recently, and um, and probably never look back now because the um, the mysteries I've been doing have, have just taken off much more than you know than anything else I've ever mm. done, and so it's just kind of I wish I'd done it years ago, but um, but I I was much more kind of intentional switching around this time yeah. and I put quite a lot of thought into the kind of thing I wanted to do and uh, you know like was I going to do police procedural was I not was I you know and so on and um, and I spent a bit of time looking at books online and just not so much looking at their ranks but just trying to think what I wanted to do really that yeah. would fit in somewhere well I know because um, Barry Hutchinson is writing under J.D. Kirk and he's had an absolute cracking um, launch of his um, Scottish um, crime books. I think they're serial killer or um, they're definitely thriller. Um, and I think he's got something like five in the top 100 at the moment. So yeah, he's um, he's he's he you know, he he was writing those um, comedy space comedies like yeah. Red Dwarf Red Dwarf before he swapped into uh, into crime. Yeah, <laughs> so. I tried that as well. <laughs> <laughs> and that, oh yeah, that. Actually, it was after that 20 Books London, I thought um, uh, he gave such a good little talk about it. And I thought, oh, well, I, I always like comedy stuff and I like sci-fi and I've often found it inherently funny. So I thought, I'll, I'll go for that. And I've written four books in that series and they, they do something, and but but not a lot, really. It's a tough kind of sell, his yeah. sci-fi comedy. Yeah. He he made that his own, but but he, yeah, he his, his, his crime stuff is just uh, taken off, isn't it? Mm. It's, it's massive. Yeah, so I think I think um, I suppose the advice from from just genre side of things is definitely write what you love, um, and if it, if it happens to fit within a, um, a potentially a subcategory of a popular genre, so you've got a, a kind of slightly different spin on whatever it be, 
um, then I think that's that puts you in the right place. I think you know just writing something uh, that you've always wanted to write is fine. It's, it, it really depends on whether it's a business decision or just a passion mm. project. Um, and unfortunately, I've written seven passion projects. Although <laughs> I have to say, um, I've had a, some some really good um, results in the last couple of weeks because I've went into prime reading with book one of. Um, of the infinity engine series. Uh, and so it's not only in prime reading, but they gave me a Kindle monthly deal in October. Wow. So I'm actually a ranking in number one in alternate history. Uh, I think I'm number two in time travel, sci-fi in the wow. UK. I know it's just oh, like make the most of it while you can. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so do, do they have to, in, um, sorry, they have to invite you to yes. uh, prime reading, don't they? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I've had it every year for three years. I mean, the, oh. For the for listeners who don't know about Prime Reading, it's 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 something that Amazon quite strangely added after Kindle Unlimited, um, which is again a subscription service that most of us sign up to. So you can you can obviously get paid per page read um, in Kindle Unlimited as an author, um, but they do Prime Reading, which is any Amazon Prime subscriber gets. Uh, I think there's about 10 million books um, that they keep in Prime Reading at any time. Um, so it's it's not that selective, um, but yeah, I've got it every year. They give you a small um, contribution, which never covers your sales, but you effectively surrender any royalties whilst you're in Prime Reading. So you you'll never know. The really annoying thing is you never know how many books you you've actually had downloaded either. Um, okay. So uh, it's it's one of those kind of um, black boxes that you just drop stuff into knowing that your sales rank will just go through the roof which mine did so sales rank uh, improves straight away um, and the only way to really measure um, the success is to look at the sales of book two and that's yeah. something else I guess people who are listening to this would already know about is that there really is only one way to play this game and that is to write in series um, and you know at least um from my point of view, it means that I can advertise book one, knowing that I'll make potentially the money backs on books two, three, four, whatever. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. So having that book one kind of go up and, and get more visibility. I mean, I think a lot of people talk, when they talk about marketing, they talk about how um, to get more visible, get in front of people, you know, when they're searching um, for books and stuff. Um, and and obviously sales rank is one of the things that Amazon's algorithm takes into account. And, you know, if it believe if the engine thinks you're selling books, then it will actually kind of it can pick you up and promote you in, you know, stratospherically um, in some cases. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I think it'd be interesting to see we are by the end of October um, to see what happens when, you know, when that book comes out of the Kindle deal and uh, and see if we start to drop again. But yeah, I think the marketing side is probably a whole nother podcast. To be honest, <laughs> we could, yeah. yeah, we could we could come back to that one another time. Um, yeah, sure, because because I know you've done quite a lot with um, with ads and stuff, and um, uh, yeah, that that could be another another yeah. another chat if you like. That'd well, be it's great. it's what I do for a living now. I mean, mm -hmm. I I left my job in 2018 thinking I was going to be a full time author, um, and essentially when well, that lasted for about three months, uh, and then. Um, then the wife said, you know, you're going to make a decision about what you're going to do because it might involve selling the house. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then I just was talking to a, a colleague uh, in the agency world and um, they were complaining about their Facebook marketing that they were, the agency they were using. And, um, and it, I just took over from there. So a lot of people come up with ideas and then they struggle to, to get it actually developed into a, a whole story or, or they, they start trying to draft and then they they give up because it's just not going anywhere or it's going all over the place so do you kind of have um, an approach or a way of tackling it when you've had that first great idea to, to turn it into some something that's going to work yeah I think that's probably the reason most people don't write never finish their first book isn't it is that they, they, they think mm. they've got a great start and they they start um writing it and then essentially run out of run out of road so they, they kind of and yeah. so there is i know there's always this kind of um duality of you know are you a, pl a planner or a pantser you know this this idea that you know yeah. do you outline your story or do you do you just go for it um and i suppose um i'm trying to think back when i started the uh the first book i had one scene in my head which was this 
He's a 17-year-old kid um, who's basically one strike away from going to prison. And he breaks into this house of someone who's a bit of a hoarder. You know, these guys that literally have newspapers mm. going back 30 years and, you know, everything, nothing's ever been thrown away. Um, and I just had this vision of him breaking into this house and stealing, you know, there were lots of different mementos and, and kind of uh, memorabilia. And he would steal something like a, a medal from World War II and he would basically then get transported back there. And the, the, the theory was that every item in this house was like a bookmark to a place in time. And that's all I had at the start of, of, uh, of the idea for Anachronist. And um, it took about two years, mainly because obviously I was working full time and I was generally just writing on the train. So essentially mm. that 45 minute journey into Waterloo and back every day was my, was my writing time. So I, had, uh, I was lucky enough to have a friend uh, uh, who worked at Penguin as a story editor. And she uh, explained to me about this concept of chapter planning. So in, in a sense, uh, it doesn't matter what you use. I think if, in the first time around, I just used an Excel sheet. But essentially, she gave me this task of literally 60 rows, 60 chapters, and a paragraph for each one. So all you had to do was write something along the lines of, you know, I don't know, 200 words per uh, chapter. So it immediately gets over that issue of running out of road because what you find, and I'm not sure if you do it this way, um, uh, that you do dry up in places. And, you know, so it, it, it makes you work that little bit harder. It, it allows you um, to deal with the things before you get into that kind of flow state of actually writing. What you've got is a, is a mm. structure. Um, and with crime, for instance, sometimes it's easier to write the ending um, you know, write the kind of um, the denouement, the you know, uh, the, the the kind of final scene. Because um, as uh, I found that um, everything, well, in the, in the kind of way I think Wilkie Collins once said, you know, you should always write a murder backwards. Um, in, in in essence, you know, work out um, who the who did what and why, and then kind of work back towards the beginning. Um, with me, I tend to want to work. Um, I want to work with, you know, a, a clear line through the whole thing. So one kind of really strong narrative to begin with um, to get you from A to B to C. Um, and and it helps sometimes to work in that three-act structure. So like a kind of, you know, there are, there are lots of different theories about ways um, to structure, a, a, you know, a, a story. Um, and people talk about snowflake technique. Um, have you ever heard of that one? where you kind of you yes, kind of write yeah. the key things and then you go back and kind of fractally add things in in between um but yeah there's a there's an overall kind of structure and i think that can help because you know even if it's just a beginning middle and an end you know or whatever way you want to kind of structure it, it gives you something to kind of work into um so we you know whichever way works for you basically but um there are yeah. people who still literally pick up a pen and start you know, with chapter one and keep going till they get to the end. Um, that tends to be more difficult, I think, from a, when you get to do the second draft. Um, and that's the other thing I think most new writers don't really comprehend when they go into it is, you know, I don't know how many times you rewrite it, but my usual, um, I normally do five rewrites before I let anybody else near it. Um, and that's because draft one is is essentially what stays on track for a while new ideas come along as you're um as you're working working it up and you want to add those in um and you know so it, there you've always got to leave a little room for some 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 things to be sparked by it uh, and to and to take you in slightly other directions but as long as you've got that central narrative it tends to stay on track um once draft one's done it really is all about the um, the rewrites, um, and I, I think that's the thing that I learnt really early on is that don't don't edit your first draft. Just write all the way through. Just stick with the plan. Uh, never look back. Never go back and look at. I think Stephen King used to say this. You know, first draft is write with the door shut, and 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 just don't mm. don't even look back. Don't don't try. Um, and I think that's where some people fall down is they start reading what they've written, and then they start kind of editing it there you know before they've moved on they've got the whole first draft done um so i yeah. prefer to write the first draft however you know 
um, crazy it is, wherever it's gone, um, just get it down on paper. And it normally rocks in at about 50,000, 60,000 words. Um, and then you go back. And that's when I feel the real work begins because you start to do that crafting and polishing and, you know, and, and starting to make things kind of um, join up in a certain way uh, that maybe they didn't the first time. And yeah, so by the time I get to the fifth draft, I'm, I'm literally just correcting grammar, basically, hopefully by that stage. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I, I do quite a lot of rewriting and, um, and it's quite sort of an intensive thing for me, but I, I don't mind it. I, you know, like you say, it's mm. part of it. Uh, I think you've got to embrace it and just get on with it. Um, Cause you can't edit a blank page as people no. like to say, and it's very true, but you know, you've got to, um, and I can't often, sometimes I think, how on earth could I have made such a stupid <laughs> mistake? You know, I look at yeah. something and I think, what the hell was I thinking? That That is literally impossible. What I've, what I, the situation I've created, you know, I've got people in the wrong place or doing the wrong thing or you know, just some ridiculous thing at the wrong time of day or whatever and just not noticed because I've yeah. been um, rolling And forward. I think that's really key, isn't it? You get, I mean, that's where an editor can help, to be honest, is where you get that thing where I had one time where the guy already had two things in one in each hand. And then, so, and then I said, <laughs> oh, and he picked something else up. And you just don't think of it at the time. But when you look back, you go, yeah, mm. so he's got three hands now. So, you know, how did that? So there's some really, yeah, it's kind of like directional stuff where you're just kind of um, just going, ah, oh, yeah, you, you need to put that guy in a different place or, you know, he hasn't got out of the car yet. You know, it's that kind of um, really obvious stuff that, um, I mean, I always get my wife to read it after I'm kind of happy mm. with it um, or you're never actually totally happy with it, are you? Let's face it. Um, but yeah, and she does that. She goes, I can't understand how how he got there. So please, especially with yeah. time travel. I mean, you know, the kind of liberties oh. you can take with time travel, it's really quite hard not to, because you're trying to stick to a set of rules you created for that world that you've, you know, you've put mm. your reader in. And if you suddenly go, oh yeah, now he can just jump out of that and be somewhere else. Not only does the you break the illusion, um, but it also is just, I just feel like it's cheating. So even though I'm writing in a completely fantastical world, I still try and stick to a bunch of rules, um, you know, that I kind of created for my own. It's, it's kind of a rod for your own back, really. Yeah. Time, time travel's tough because you've, you've got people sitting at home reading it and thinking, you yeah, well, why doesn't he just go back five minutes <laughs> earlier and not do yeah. that thing? You know, it's, 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 you know, like some, I mean, Doctor Who's gone a bit crap, yeah. hasn't it? But uh, I haven't watched it recently but it did sort of i kind of gave up yeah i think the wheels and, fell off on doctor who after matt smith yeah. um but it, we, 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 that's probably gonna cause some ructions as well ah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no don't go there go that, that, it creates a lot of um a, a lot of uh, comments on my ads when i run things about you know if you like classic doctor yeah. who um because you just get all these people saying oh you hate the new doctor who and everything. So it's like no i just grew up <laughs> with the old one sorry yeah um but yeah, I think that's thing. I think tar the, the the way they got around it in Doctor Who was the TARDIS was actually like constantly malfunctioning, so he couldn't accurately mm. jump back five minutes even if he wanted to. So it was a good get out of jail for for the writers um, to kind of say, well, yeah, we can't we can't you know it's it's not functioning properly. Um, and mm. um, yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's like you say that you create these rules and then you wish you you hadn't basically. Yeah, I had a. I had an object that had to sort of go back in time um, and the, the, the sort of the mental torment I had to go through to, to who had this damn thing when and what happened. Uh, in the end, somebody 5,000 years ago sort of buried yeah. it. <laughs> so it's good. Yeah. I thought that's, that's yeah, got rid of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, my biggest problem is that when, because I um, feature in alternate history, um, my number, my top uh, review on on the uk store is a two star from someone who said i got caesar wrong by 45 years and i didn't want oh. to point at 62 people have now found this helpful so it's completely stuck at the top of my um my comments oh, no. my reviews um and you just want to go it's a it's just a story but of course these guys you know want yeah. to believe that the history that i'm taking them through is as real as you know it can be so yeah fair enough i had to slightly edit that one but there's no you know i can't get that review taken down it's stuck there so yeah mm. you just have to live with it i mean 
like I said, I used to worry about it because I thought it was affecting sales. But then I looked at Dawson's reviews and there's definitely a few one stars in there and he's making a fortune. So yeah. um, good for him. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think you've got to be, it's got to be believable. Whatever it is you do, you know, stick, don't just keep reinventing it. Um, and I, I know this is maybe particular to sci-fi, but you're going to create a world that people are going to walk around in in their head and the last thing you want to do is, mm. um, you know, suddenly get rid of gravity or, or, or kind of, you know, invent something mm. just to get you out of a hole. Um, so, yeah, that, that's why the edits are so good, because you can realize that if you need, you know, someone to shoot a gun in the final scene, you need to put the gun in, you know, in a couple of chapters back or, you know, that's mm. that whole premise, isn't it? If you're going to show a gun, then you have to shoot it. So, um it, it, that's where you that's where the kind of rewriting comes into its own because you make everything just a little bit tighter and it, and get the pace i mean that's the other thing is you want to keep the keep the reader turning the pages um so you've got you've got to work on your pace and your and your kind of um your kind of overall story structure you know where your peaks and your troughs and your highs and your lows are and i think that's where some kind of planning comes Definitely. in as well because um if without it, you can sort of, if you get into a chapter or a scene where you're writing it and it doesn't really have a point, you kind of lose interest yourself and it seems to drag and you kind of think, well, what's the point yeah. of this? And of course, that's what readers are going to be yeah, thinking. Yeah. And Yeah, exactly. You've got to keep the story moving somehow. Yeah. And I think, um, I mean, I tend to write quite short chapters. So like maybe a thousand words, you know, and, and that's like Patterson does this all the time. You basically end up with a two or three page chapter. And that they're written like scenes. Some people describe it like a scenes in a movie because um, I write quite visually. Mm. So it does tend to make people read quite quickly because there's lots of kind of um, pace in terms of, you know, the, I, I, sometimes I just use the length of the chapter as a way to make it really kind of um, flow. But, you know, yeah. everyone's got different ways of approaching it. It's just, you know, if you want someone to have a fast read, then keep it, you know, tight sentence wise and, um, and see where you go. Um, but yeah, I think yeah. outlining is useful. I certainly never tried doing it from literally, you know, the first page, first blank page. It's always, you know, already got a lot of, and it, I normally go off the rails, to be honest. I mean, they're, they're definitely, as I've mm. got into the, you know, the later books, I've tended to cheat a little bit and just put something into my future self to say, you need to sort this out. <laughs> and then, and then boldly move on to the next part. Um, and I find that, I don't know if you do this, when you're writing, if you can't think of a word, I don't stop. I just put like X's in. So um, I, I don't, I don't, because yeah. I always describe it like a flow state. When you're actually in the zone, I don't like stopping. So instead of saying, oh, mm. what, what's the word for that? Or especially when you're writing historical stuff, you have to go and research, you know, a lot, which is where the internet comes in really handy, especially Wikipedia. Um yeah, yeah I, I, sometimes I kind of sit there and go, oh, you know, um, I can't think of the word, can't think of the name of the street is going to be in in Paris, you know, during the Napoleonic Wars or whatever. So um, I'll just put, I'll just drop some X's in there. And it's just a placeholder for me to go back in the rewrite and then start looking at the research stuff. And that's always the thing that slows me down is these kind of historical um, moments um, like the latest book that I'm writing now, which is the fourth one in the trilogy, as I like to put it, um, <laughs> is um, is mostly set around uh, 1800s um, Paris. Napoleon um, is is you know doing doing interesting things across Europe um, uh, against the Prussians and the Austrians, um, and 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 yeah, you've got a lot of historical detail um, that you need to go and dig around in. Um, but it's out there. It's just, you know, you've got to then not just copy and paste it into the book. You've got to make it personal. It's got to feel relevant. You know, I mean, I quite like the idea early on. I always like to say um, uh, it's kind of the you're, you're, it's the piece of history that, you know, is next to the thing that was famous. So in other words, you know, it's not Marie Antoinette being guillotined. It's the it's the palace in which she was kept um, What before, you know, it's the thing that happened around it rather than the actual event itself. So that I found quite interesting. Um, yeah, I, I like that idea. I like that a lot. Actually. Yeah, I think that's, it's just that's kind of cool. one to the left of the, of the main event kind of thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, so yeah. Those are the, that's what I suppose when you think about where your ideas come from. Um, it's, it's, for me, it's always kind of, 
um, either you've got like a strong character that can carry it or you've got a strong um, kind of narrative idea. So, um, you know, obviously for my first book, it was all about this kid learning that there was this secret organization that can travel through time and he's got this ability that he didn't know he had. And that's easy. The first one was just about like, welcome to my world. So it was an easy write because mm-hmm. as long as you'd written, you know, thought about your backstory, you were just introduced, you were taking the reader on this journey through all the different parts of this lovely new, in uh, this world, which is why I liken it to Harry Potter because, you know, obviously Harry starts off under the stairs and then finds out he's a wizard. So, um, so there's that. But once you've done that in the first book, you can't keep doing it over and over again. There are some formats you know especially crime where you can kind of repeat the formula um and i think for me it was just having to kind of think what's going to happen to this character over time how is he going to develop you know how is the world that he's now entered going to change him um but also um what other things could go on in that and i've written some spin-off books so some of the characters that came up in the first couple of books i actually just took off and created their own little origin stories so um, you know, there's that kind of, it's a nice little exploration in, in your world and digging a bit deeper into some of this, you know, the secondary characters, which I found really quite helpful, but you can also then put those out as, um, as, as reader magnets. It's another word maybe that your listeners have bumped into, but this idea that you put shorter stories or novellas out, um, as either a giveaway from a, from a you know a sign up email sign up or um or you put them on at 99p or free uh and and then let them let them kind of go out and find their way on their own you know so um that was always quite interesting but um yeah. it's I, I i think as long as a couple of things I, i'll come back to okay. if you don't mind so so one thing I, mean, I don't know about you but i found since going into crime um, I guess mystery being a sort of offshoot of crime that um, it has a lot of moving parts. And I think if you don't plan out things like clues, like red herrings. And timings. Like motives, yeah, timings drove me crazy in the crime book. Yeah. Because you had to, I mean, there is some really good visual tools um, out there for, and I didn't use them. Um, but yeah, just like you do these things where, you know, coppers don't work seven days a week. So you've got this story and then what do you do? What's she doing on, on uh, you know, on a Saturday or a Sunday um, or if, or not, whatever days off shift she's on. Um, so you have these kind of, you know, you just want to get on with the story. And then, of course, you've got to remember that they actually don't work 24 hours, seven days a week, you know, unlike some of the cop shows you watched. Um, but yeah. yeah, so I found timing really difficult. Like literally had to go back about four times and just go, Okay, that's a Sunday now. So you know, yeah. <laughs> what are we going to do? Yeah, I I ended up I've sort of taken a leaf out of um, I think Ian Rankin tends to do this in his Rebus books. Like you'll have a you turn a page and it'll say Monday yeah. or whatever, and then you'll go through that. And then yeah, Tuesday I date stamp and, it. Yeah, and that that kind of keeps me on track a bit. And I I ended up making uh, just a timeline for especially for one of them where I was going down and um, and writing times like to the minute of where somebody was because I was just getting in such mm. a muddle and I had to kind of roughly work out the places are fiction I use fictionalized places on right. the whole because they're, they're set in Devon but um, uh, there's a, a fictional village but then I use real places but I you know I don't worry too much about the geography or I, I make up pubs and cafes yeah. and things and I just throw in little snippets of real things um, you know there might be a a statue or something that in this case um and somebody had to get from a to b and you know how, how could they do it at the time and meanwhile somebody else was murdering somebody <laughs> and you know if you got once you start getting cctv and things like that it, it's all got to um, yes it's all got to hang well together. i set the um so the crime book's called as above so below uh and it's basically she's a, a detective sergeant in the city police which is like the square mile in the center of London. Um, so that's got the most CCTV cameras in the entire kind of UK. So yeah, w- w- trying to set a murderer, you know, who's leaving bodies in random places, um, was, was quite a challenge because yeah, you had to deal with the fact that they, they were basically on every monitor, um, sorry, on every camera, um, like on mm-hmm. the whole trip um, through, through, you know, when they were chasing down the criminal. So it, it's, it's, but I think they're great. I think that's probably, you talk about back to ideas. I think one of the things 
that I like about um, the kind of, you know, crime and the time travel stuff is I effectively normally paint myself into a corner. So I say, you know, I'm going to put a body under the monument. Um, So, you know, basically this guy um, was uh, set on fire and left under the, there's a basement under the monument. I don't know if you know that, but Sir Christopher Wren and Boyle, um, it's a giant telescope. It's called a Zenith telescope. So there's a basement where they used to study the stars up the, you know, through the, through the column of the monument. Um, so I put the, I put the body in there. And of course there's a, there's so many cameras around the, the area, but nobody saw, nobody saw anybody, you know, get dropped off or, or whatever. So you kind of paint yourself into that locked room, um, uh, scenario and then you've got to get yourself out of it and I think that's probably what I do mostly is I challenge myself by by basically giving myself an impossible scenario to get out of um, and it's certainly it's certainly going to happen in in the new time travel book the, the first chapters the main character being stabbed with a massive dagger so you know where do you go from there so um, it, it's funny I, I, I I'm exactly the same I kind of because um, I kind of like challenges i like solving mm. problems so so i don't worry too much when i paint myself into a corner if anything it sort of gets my yes. brain going and then it you know i'm thinking about it i'm you know might be having a shower or something and i'll yeah oh, yeah, yeah, yeah that's how you <laughs> fix that and um no exactly it, it's it keeps you interested doesn't it having it, um it does because i, I think what you do is you get a better story out of it because you actually went outside of your comfort zone um and and mm. i think that's what uh, especially crime readers love is they love to be uh, to be challenged so that you know when you do get the reveal about how he got the body in under the monument it's a wow moment it's a real kind of i didn't see that coming um and those are the kind of little reveals that just keep them on their toes um and i think that's what they're looking for i mean you know a a crime novel is a puzzle isn't it that, that that you're asking the reader um, to try and solve before they get to the last page? So um, it's all about keeping them in in suspense and keeping them kind of like guessing until, uh, unless you're like Agatha Christie and you just bring in somebody completely random at the end, <laughs> um, or it's everybody. Um, so yeah, so I mean, I quite, I quite like it. I mean, that's what I got from it. I mean, never written a crime. I don't even read crime. Karen's the crime. Um, lover so it was really interesting collaboration we just basically sat down i said um you know let's work on the structure together work out what the motives are who dies you know why and and just literally mind map it out in a massive bit of paper and then and then i'll write i'll write the you know the the kind of i suppose i kind of ghost wrote it um with her just as the kind of creative director um so it was a nice it was a nice Mm -hmm. uh it was a nice project and we're going to do another one. Um, hopefully once I've got this next time travel one out of the way. Um, so That's yeah, I think yeah. I, I can see why people like crime. Um, it's got, it does challenge mm. the, well, hopefully most of them challenge, challenge you to try and work it out before you get to the end. Definitely. The, the other thing I was just going to come back to is when you were talking about your, your planning uh, a few mm. minutes ago, it, it sounded to me as though, some of the things you're thinking about, a lot of people might lump into kind of yeah. theme, that idea of, you know, characters, development and things like that. And again, this is something people argue about. Some people say you must have your theme beforehand and some people say, no, it'll kind of emerge as I as yeah. I go. Are you, where would you be on that spectrum? I think I'm more of a, of, yeah, I think um, I like to have a, a definite direction of travel. So I know where it's going to go, you know, the hero is going to do X, then Y, and then, you know, something's going to go wrong. And then he's going to, you know, and then we get to the kind of, there's a, I think Pixar had a 22 point plan for how they do their stories, which is, um, which is definitely worth looking up. Um, but yeah, I think the theme, because yeah. I know people who literally write massive, great character backgrounds. They do all the kind of, um, you know, they do a lot of research before they start and then, and then, then they just basically can blitz it in one go. I think I, I'm kind of halfway there. I certainly have a really good idea, but then I'll just, I'll bump into something. Like we said, when we hit that kind of gap where I've just said, fix this later uh, in, in the plan, mm. I either, by the time I get there, I've either developed two or three other uh, sub plots so yeah you know get this whole idea of it's never just one story arc you need to kind of weave in 
um, you know, multiple arcs, potentially from multiple characters. But yeah, I think I think yeah. I, I definitely don't try, um, and maybe this is why it slightly takes longer. Um, so I don't always want it to be completely locked down when we when I go into. It. I like things to bubble up from from just the way you you know the story is unfolding in your head because you know obviously converting a couple of paragraphs in an outline into a two thousand word chapter stuff's going to kind of evolve um, and things that just weren't you didn't see when you were planning it, no matter how well you planned it you'll always find things that just quite interesting and in trying not to go off track too much um is always a bit of a challenge um but yeah i think and of course because with time travel and with crime actually when you go and do the research um some things um some things just trigger something like i found out about um napoleon's attempted assassination in um he they, these guys strapped a massive wine casket to a um to a car and and filled it with you know shrapnel uh, and basically um the the fuse when they lit the fuse they mistimed it so he survived but for me that's great because in my version of course he can he can die and then someone can go back and change the outcome so it's things like that which which i have to kind of follow because that's exactly what i'm looking for is a is a moment in time where one slight change can change the you know future uh, change the past where, where you want to look at it um so um so I, I have to leave a little bit of space and i think everybody should really just l- still be open to you know new ideas as you're writing don't just close it down and say right i'm going to write exactly this it, it it doesn't give you enough i think you need a bit of creative freedom when you're when you're in yeah. there I, I find that um it, yeah it's good to have some kind of idea of especially your main characters of of how they're going to develop and, and maybe be different yeah. at the end. But um, I find some of the gold dust stuff actually comes out with some of the little characters I hadn't really thought yes. about. And I've just kind of thought somebody being a bit stereotypical, you know, this person's like mean and horrible or drunk mm-hmm. or whatever and left it at that. And then as I've written them in and they've become important and sort of a bit more real yeah. to me, I might, you know, I might redeem them in some way because, um, it's just kind of more interesting. Yeah, yeah you're and, right. Um, I think the the villains or the kind of secondary characters tend to be much more interesting to write um, because you you don't normally go. I mean, I don't know if you what point of view you write from, but the the idea that you're in the hero's head for most of the um, for most of the book means that you know the secondary characters are going. You need to work really hard to make them come to life because you're not going to get you're not going to get as much exposure to them. Um, so yeah, I like I like the secondaries. Mm. I think they they tend to evolve as I go. You're right. That I don't normally um, end up writing a great deal beforehand about secondaries. Um, and mm. uh, yeah, I mean, That's entire because I've got this kind of organisational structure in the time travel stuff where you've got different guilds. So you've got guys who work on stats and analysis. You've got ones that look after books, and the another one that looks after you know artifacts. And then I can just add another, I just end up going, oh yeah, we need another one that explores X, you know, say I just created, I created another department just for one of the books that span off into its own, um, into its own kind of got its own book in the end. Um, this whole thing about, um, creatures that live outside of time, um, became, they became the xenobiology department who, who now kind of you know, it's very hard not to kind of want to go and look more about what they could do. So that's why I have trouble with is I, I tend to kind of create, um, you know, side characters or side stories that, that I then need to go and explore in more detail. So spin-offs, basically, um, yeah. which is, and it's fun. I mean, yeah. they're not normally as big as the, the main books, but um, I quite enjoy them. Yeah, I've been I've been tempted. I must admit, with because um, mine aren't police; they're like an amateur sleuth type, but in a modern day yeah. setting. Um, a bit om- almost like the BBC's Sherlock thing, but but not quite. Mm-hmm. Not not it's a little bit cheesy that, but it, I mean, it's I, I, I quite liked it when it came out, but um, it's a bit more um, a bit more realistic, yeah. I guess. Um, but uh, I, have, I do have some police characters in there 
and just writing scenes with them in, I kind of thought, oh, I really quite fancy just taking them and, you know, doing some doing some like a little police procedural type story with them. So I don't know if I'll if I'll do that. Yeah, I tried. I, I tried. I read up on police procedural stuff. There's some good crime writer books um, out there, you know, to give you some some back background but my um, my worry is that i don't want to get into that conversation where oh yeah you know so and so wouldn't do that you know i I don't want to get so deep into it um that i'm having a conversation with someone because you know i'm using the wrong weapon or um you know that you know it's just i tried to keep it a bit lighter than that but i i agree i think i think police um People are very interest, generally very interesting characters. I mean, they don't have to be, you know, drunks and rebus type. Um, uh, who's the other guy? Michael Connolly does. Um, Bosch, oh, yeah. They don't have to be complete car yeah. crashes of um, with their personal <laughs> life. Um, but I think, I think because they walk in and out of people's lives, generally at a, a bad point. You know, you only really get to to meet a detective if something's gone pretty wrong in your life um they are they they do have a genuine fascination i think for most people because you know yeah. what do they do when they're not picking bits of bodies off of railway lines or whatever um and and that's that's yeah. that's i think where where people are kind of never going to get bored of those and i suppose it, the challenge is um is creating those um, believable characters um it's certainly, it's certainly probably the most difficult bit for me. I mean, I'm, I love exposition. I like kind of action and, you know, um, I don't spend too long generally um, inside the character's head um, in the crime stuff. And I think that was actually someone um, came back to me and said, yeah, it would be better if you just gave us a little bit more insight into her thoughts and feelings. Um, and I just thought, okay, so, you know, that's good feedback. I just need to because it's a different style of writing to the time travel and that's the other thing is i'm putting taking one hat off and and then going into this other um you know other uh, other kind of uh narrative and and, and and a different language and obviously i don't have to worry about things like um being so historically accurate with most of the most of it so yeah it's interesting um i think people do like to you know to get into the character don't they yeah, very much. I, I I think you're right. In in the crime, people do like to um, to sort of see what's going on in people's mm. heads a bit, if if not actually being told. You know that they they want to, um, them to have some kind of sub subplot type stuff going on. I think even the small characters are you know something is going on with them somewhere. Like maybe they've you know having an affair yeah. or or you know they're stealing the petty cash or something. It's you know there's 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 got to be some little, some little oddness going on. Yeah, perhaps. and I think um, it gives it depth, doesn't it? When you've got that, I mean, it's kind of like um, who said when you write characters, you got to start off with their skeletons. There was a there was a podcast I think I listened to. And this lady was like, one of the best ways to start a character is to work out what they're hiding, um, what are, what are their ghosts, um, you know, what oh. what is it that um, even with bad guys. I mean, I love villains. I think they're probably the most interesting ones to write um but yeah what is it that um you know behind uh, the facade as it were that's motive you know even if it's not the motivation for why they're killing or why they're joining the police you've just got to look at the kind of um the you know the things that are waking them up at three o'clock in the morning um and and then work around that um because yeah you, you know no one wants to read about a character who has a really nice life <laughs> <laughs> unless you're in kind of romance mode i suppose um but yeah you, it's got to have some jeopardy and some some issues going on one one principle i like i i think it does have a fancy name but um i think john cleese said that um truly stupid people don't know that they're stupid <laughs> yeah. um and it's just kind of like yeah it, I, i'd quite like this you know you're playing with a character that they may be lazy or incompetent or, you know, aggressive or whatever, but they don't no. know that as far as they're concerned. They're an excellent police officer yeah. or yeah. whatever. You know, they, they don't see themselves for what they are. And that's, I, I kind of like like to write like that as well, that a character... Is um, unaware of their faults. 
Yeah. 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 They're, they're just going on and by their own lights, they're, they're fine. Cause we all kind of, we forgive ourselves yeah. a lot, don't we? We think, yeah, I'm fine. Basically I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm a decent person, but we all, you know, have these things that we, we fall down on. Like you say, the skeletons hiding, it might not even be aware, particularly that they're popping no. something up. But um, I think it's just an interesting place to start. Wondering, are, are there any particular sort of little tips or techniques or tools, tools that yeah, you I use, think tool, you know, like you do yeah, sprints? Yeah, exactly. Or... That's probably a good... Um, so um, so we were talking about tools um, yeah. and sprints. So really weirdly, so for two years, so 2017 to 2019, I wrote every day on the train going in and out. It was 45 minutes either way, and it was a mm. perfect sprint. So for me, I know um, there are guys like Chris Fox who say, you know... Um, a certain amount of words but for me 45 minutes with my attention span was just about long enough so I'd, I'd, I'd literally get on the train and then suddenly I'd be at Waterloo and it was a fantastic uh, way to ignore what was obviously you know a pretty normal commute um, so when I was um, when I left the job and wanted to go full-time I tried to sit down and write for hours because I thought wow I've got all day I can you know I can write all day mm. And I found that I had to, I could only write for 45 minutes. So because of those two years, it's like I trained my brain um, to just work in 45 minute sprints. Um, and I could do them like multiple ver- versions of that. But it was, it was, I find it easier to write in the morning. Um, I find, you know, especially uh, I think Dave Gochran said the other day, don't open your email when you get up, just go straight into it, have your breakfast and and just crack on. So yeah, I think, I'm definitely a morning writer. Uh, I can do like multiple sprints of about 45 minutes, generally broken up by cups of tea and bacon sandwiches. But um, <laughs> yeah, there is that kind of, um, to, um, get easily distracted um, by other things. Um, and so I think sprints definitely works. I think the whole concept of write all the way through draft one without stopping, don't go back and look at your old edits. I mean, obviously, if you haven't written every day, you can go back and read the last chapter, but don't start editing it. Just keep going. Mm. Um, so get through that. Multiple rewrites, definitely. I mean, I use Scrivener first uh, for my f- first kind of initial three or four drafts. And then uh, we've got that on the iPad as well. So it's really useful. In the old days, I used to give it to my wife on a Kindle and then she'd have to kind of read the notes back. But now we can go from... Uh, I write on a Mac, so I'll do I'll do you know three or four drafts, give it to her on the iPad, and she can then edit like on the fly, basically give me that version back. Um, and um, essentially, uh, it then goes out to an editor. So and that's Word. So everything goes back into Microsoft Word. He does the tracking uh, tracking stuff on the document. Um, I get that back, and then from there we go into Vellum. So my best find ever. I think has to be vellum. I don't know whether you've ever used it, but I I'm not on a Mac, and I know there are ways of doing it. Oh uh, yeah, Mac, Mac in the cloud, cloud and yeah, stuff. Yeah. But I I I haven't uh, I haven't tried that. Oh, uh, it's a shame they've um, never done one for Windows because um, I mean it's it's from a book preparation point of view, and I guess like I say, this could be another podcast in itself. But getting getting everything ready for EPUB and and print. Um, it's literally minutes of work. So, you know, Vellum just does mm. everything. I might have to look into it because um, I, I have ways of doing it. I, I use uh, there's a program called Juto, which mm-hmm. is quite cheap, which, which is very good for ebooks. Um, but it gives you a whole extra step to do before you get to the paperback. So you then got to take it out of that yeah. program and then open it up and then start mucking about all over again to get the paperback, which is. It's a yeah. headache. I mean, especially um, when, you know, this is the bit you're so, you know, you're literally finished. You've done your cut because I do my mm. own covers as well. So that's always the the mark when I know I'm getting ready to to um, to put it live is I get the get the cover done. because I trained as a graphic designer. So I've got I've got wow. quite a lot of Photoshop skills, amongst other things. Um, See, I, I don't think <laughs> I knew that because I, I really like your Infinity Engine Thank you. covers. I, I Thank think they're you. great. Yeah, yeah, no, I kind of keep thinking because. You know, when you kind of compare other people that are in your genre, um, you know, in terms of on Amazon and you just go, God, I really like what they've done. And I keep thinking to myself, oh, maybe I'll maybe I'll do a little bit more, you know, because I always wonder whether people get the time travel thing straight away, because it's basically like a 
a burning infinity symbol. And in, mm. in, in it, if you blow it up, there's like a kind of clockwork engine and stuff. So it's really nice detail. But of course, mm. on the thumbnail, and this is another tip, make sure your thumbnails look good before, <laughs> before you finish your covers. Yeah, it's great that you build this, you know, create this lovely cover, which, you know, is going to look great on the book. But when they shrink it down to something, you know, the size of a postage stamp, um, does it still work? Um, and I do, I do keep thinking to myself, especially with the American market, um, should I be a little bit more, you know, should I put one of those kind of twisting clock faces into it? So it just screams, um, time travel straight away. Cause that's what Joe, Jodie Taylor was yeah. the other one I was thinking of. Jodie Taylor does, yes. does very much yeah. that kind of, she's got a very nice graphic style, but yeah, no, I love doing the covers. That's my, kind of my, it's like the cherry on the cake when everything else is done. I can, I can go and do the cover, um, get some because i've got like a internal facebook group that i get to help me you know finalize it and then and then yeah that's it done out it goes um but yeah i think that's the great thing about vellum is that it takes a lot of the pain out it literally is pull the word document in do a little bit of formatting uh and and then you're ready to go both for ebook and uh, it produces a pdf that you can upload for your for paperback so um it's it's very very nice kind of I mean, it costs £250. It's not cheap, but it, it it's so worth it. I mean, you think about how much time you'd spend to try to do it in, in another program. It would be crazy. Yeah, and I've got quite a quite a lot of books out there as well yeah. at the moment. So if ever I want to do anything, it just, oh, it's just a nightmare yeah. all over again. Well, that's it. Of course, yeah, you edit it. Yeah. Files oh. and... Do you just want to sort of quickly drop a line about what you're you know, what you've got yeah. coming up, what you can have coming okay. out soon. So um, I'm currently working on book four in the Infinity Engine series, which should be out uh, in the next couple of months, hopefully before Christmas. Um, so uh, that's going to be on Amazon in Kindle and uh, paperback. And I think the title is going to be Eons. Um, but yeah, if you look up Andrew Hasty or Infinity Engines, you'll see my stuff. And then in the new year, probably January, February, we'll be looking at um and the second karen hasty book um with no title mm-hmm. at the moment but um but yeah so i'm looking forward to, to to doing that and more books besides i would think brilliant and and your website's um infinity engine correct yeah com, plural right? so so we can get to your newsletter and i'll put brilliant. links and everything um and all the show notes and stuff and um yeah, that's brilliant. Thank you very much for your time. That's ended up quite a, oh, quite quite a wide-ranging discussion, which was brilliant. <laughs> well, thank you. No, I think that's great because there was a lot of a lot of content in there, which is is good stuff because it's based on on your real yeah. experience, you know, as a as a working writer rather than some sort of a high-blown theory that somebody who's pushing a non-fiction book, you know, can come out with this idea saying you must do this and you must do that, and then you look at what they've done and they haven't actually published any fiction or it's it's hard for people I think to know to know where to get their advice from sometimes um so that's all good stuff (laughs) well thank you for your time as well it's really enjoyable and I'm happy to do another one in the future hopefully without the leaf bow there goes the leaf bow again cheers mate all right okay thanks very much then Thank you very much for listening to that episode of the Writing Talk podcast. I really hope that you enjoyed it. I thought it was a great wide-ranging discussion with someone who has put a lot of thought and a lot of work into their work that they've produced. And uh, if you want to check out uh, Andrew's books, I recommend you uh, head on over to Amazon. You can find more of his stuff at infinityengines.com. And he has a newsletter where you can sign up to get a free book. There will be a link to that and anything else that's uh, relevant, like tools and resources and so on, as always, on the site at writingtalkpodcast.com, which is all one word. I hope that you feel able to subscribe to the podcast. Um, It's always really appreciated. It really helps. I would like to keep this going. I'd like to get lots more guests on to interview them and and see what nuggets of information they have. Because, you know, the more we talk about this stuff, the more we can help each other in this uh, brilliant business of writing and creating books. So... Please do uh, subscribe. Tell your writer buddies about it. Perhaps if you're in a, uh, a Facebook group or anything like that, in a writing group, you might like to tell them about it. 
You can also get in touch with me uh, over at the site. Please pop any comments over on there rather than anywhere else because I'm much more likely to see them right on the site at writingtalkpodcast.com. I'll wrap that up for today. I hope your writing is going well, but however it's going, just remember to keep scribbling, keep tapping away at the keys, and while you're doing it, keep smiling. Thanks again for listening and goodbye.